To anybody watching this, I hope this video finds you well. I just wanted to do a brief video talking through this uh, Miller report of uh, the Ravi Zacharias investigations and detailing the facts. So a quick overview of what this video is going to be about. Um, this video is going to be about particularly the facts that are found within this document. Uh, for those who haven't had the time to research into it or are unfamiliar with it, um, or just taking the time to listen to someone talk about it or trying to process this or deal with it. This video is for that. Also, I'm going to be discussing a few uh, relevant Bible passages. There's really two hours probably worth of Bible study we could go into concerning this, and we're not going to do that. But I just want to read a little bit of various scriptures that I think weigh on this, and I'll point you to some resources as well. And lastly, um, I wanted to, before we get into it, also address... Uh, the reason that I'm making this video and the main reason that I am making this video is due to the, I think, root of many problems that we're finding within our, our Christian culture and context in regards to sin and leadership. And I think one of the root causes here is the culture that we have fostered of, of praising uh, the wrong things instead of the biblical things uh, for marks of leaders and uh, qualifications for leaders. So I just wanted to speak on that uh, briefly as well. So the first thing I wanted to say uh, concerning that culture before we get into this report and go through some of the things I've read through and highlighted uh, to point out for this video, um, my intentions, I believe, are pure in making this video uh, because I want us to learn from this scenario. Um, I know that there's going to be nothing but woundedness in the Zacharias family over these things. Um, and I know there, there's going to be a decade's worth of uh, disqualifying and, um, and damaging uh, harm done to the Christian faith by the name of this man. Um, the, and, and my thoughts are very unpolished in this video. I'm still trying to think through even myself so much that there is to say. But the other thing I wanted to mention is that makes me think of the Corinthians passage passage of someone's works being burned up is that the sad tragedy here to me is not only the sexual abuse that, that did happen and the sexual sin that happened and all the lives that were impacted, but also the negative effect of the gospel and even this own man's life was ruined because of this uh, due to the fact that he spent over four decades defending truth. Uh, namely Christian truth and Christian moral value. Before I wrote this, um, or excuse me, or started recording this article, I watched the entire interview he did with uh, Ben Shapiro. And he's just, he was a brilliant man. He was an eloquent man, but uh, he was not a man of integrity as we've come to find out. And so um, th this is really heavy stuff. It's really sad stuff. But as I was saying, the reason I'm doing this is because there is a root problem within the culture and we need to deal with that. And that's that we're not uh, uplifting the right things for character qualifications. And namely, as I just finished doing a, a series on the pastoral epistles, I can't help but think of, of God's qualifications for pastors. God's qualifications for pastors. It's not a college degree. It's not a master divinity. It's not a PhD. Uh, it's not eloquence of speech. It's not the things that we usually esteem. It's not fancy dress. It's not um, any any of these stupid things. What it is, is it's a twofold 
uh, thing, and really this twofold thing is, is that of character on one side and the other of Bible knowledge. And Bible knowledge really in practice and in understanding. So on the one side that we have um, is character. It's how a man treats his wife, how a man treats his family, how he shepherds his family, how he acts in public. Um, all these kinds of things with, with sexual uh, propriety being a, a large part of this. And on the other side, it's Bible knowledge. And so, well, I know uh, Ravi Zacharias was not a pastor. Uh, he should have been held to the same standard as a pastor was. And as we'll come to find out, um, he really swooped under the radar for so many uh, possible avenues of accountability and has led to, quite frankly, th- this tragedy. So let's dive into the report. Um, I'm just going to try, I have highlighted some things. If you're watching on YouTube, this is on the screen for you to see if you're listening to a podcast on Spotify or, or iTunes or something like that. Um, I'll just read you some highlighted portions that I think, as I said before, are specific facts that uh, are undeniable. And to me, uh, go beyond building a strong case. It's not just a strong case. It's undeniable evidence. So uh, let's, let's deal with this. It says, on September 29th, 2020, Christianity Today published an article citing allegations by three anonymous sources that the late Ravi Zacharias sexually harassed them at two spas he co-owned. Uh, this is in Atlanta, Georgia. Miller & Martin, PLLC, was hired uh, by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, uh, which abbreviated as RZIM, which I'll be referencing many times as they do throughout this uh, report. Uh, so, was hired by RZIM to conduct an independent investigation into these allegations. So, the ministry RZIM decided to um, to outsource outside of themselves, hire a firm to extensively go through his life and to look for any credibility to all of these widespread allegations that um, sadly um, surfaced in power after his death, but really had began surfacing many years ago. Um, But for various reasons, the reason I'm making this video, uh, they were concealed. We confirmed one of the three accounts described in Christianity Today article and found significant evidence of sexual misconduct involving additional massage therapists. We also reviewed Mr. Zacharias's electronic devices and found evidence of text and email-based relationships with women who were not his wife, as well as, and I want to make this clear, over 200 selfie-style photographs of women, as we'll go on to see uh, many of these involved nudity, involved provocative pictures, involved uh, videos, and these were all found on his devices. This isn't something that people just sent to him. These are things that were saved to him. Um, and, and so there's other things he kept in the notes section of his phones. If he had an iPhone, it would have been in the iPhone notes section. And um, this is not something that, that should have been on his phone as a Christian man. So uh, let's just make that clear because anybody could be the victim of receiving something that they didn't want. But for someone to have saved things, kept things for years on end um, of people he knew, women he knew, uh, that paints a very different picture. So I'm just going to read through. I'll link in the description below the uh, link to this in- entirety of the document if you'd like to read it in its entirety for yourself. I, I just want to point out some of the main things so that you get a clear picture, like I said before, of some of the clear, undeniable facts. So I'm just going to proceed to read some different highlighted sections 
Uh, this is concerning the scope of the investigation. At times, uh, we, they said we received secondhand and uncorroborated information that we chose not to pursue and instead focused on more uh, definite leads. These were not limitations placed on us by RZIM or the board committee, but decisions that we made primarily because we found enough evidence to answer the ultimate question we were hired to investigate. So the purpose they were hired to investigate was to see if they could find any sexual impropriety uh, in this uh, professed man of God. And so the scope of the investigation was not to list out every single sexual sin he ever committed while he was in ministry. The scope of the investigation was not to talk to every, every massage therapist or every woman that he received or, or had contact with, but rather the purpose of the investigation was to see if uh, there was credible evidence that this was an ongoing thing in his ministry. So the case is built there. And and I just want to say to be clear, uh, what they're saying here is that there's many avenues they didn't, um, many paths they didn't go down, many avenues they didn't travel um, to find what could possibly a whole lot more evidence, a whole lot more uh, sad stories, a whole lot more uh, women's lives negatively affected. But merely their purpose was to see if, if um, their possibility of these things was true or not. And as they found it, it's undeniably true. Uh, next, I want to read a few things. So I just uh, spoke briefly on the scope and purpose of the investigation. Next, I want to speak to you about the methodology of investigation, a few highlighted parts from that. And I quote, over 50 individuals were interviewed, including over a dozen massage therapists who treated Mr. Zacharias over the years and in different contexts, we attempted to interview several other therapists who either never responded or were unwilling to share experiences with us. Some of the therapists with whom we spoke worked at the spas mentioned in the Christianity Today article, but most of them provided treatments to Mr. Zacharias in other locations and at different points in time. Also, uh, it says, in addition to Reviewing numerous documents provided by RZIM and other witnesses, we have hired a digital uh, forensics vendor to image and process four mobile devices and one laptop. So four cell phones, one laptop that they received from RZIM, and it says all which were used by Mr. Zacharias at various times. So all of this evidence is based on his own uh, personal collection of electronics, his four phones, uh, and it says that he was never without two phones. Usually he kept one for his ministry and one for personal use. And it is the one uh, seemingly that for personal use uh, he would use to skirt around uh, any evidence leading back to him and also a laptop. Um, it says the mobile devices provided the single greatest source of data about Mr. Zacharias's private activity and household text and chat application messages, emails, recorded messages, documents, and images that sparked numerous leads, which they then followed. Uh, call logs for each phone provided a useful proxy for the approximate uh, dates when Mr. Zacharias likely used the phones. The first phone appears to have been in use from around February 2020 until his death in May 2020. Uh, the second phone from July 2017 until about uh, January 2018. The third from a phone from uh, July 2019 until April 2020, and the fourth phone from February 2014 through October 2014. So as they go on to say in this article, there are large uh, significant gaps in time for which we do not have benefit of any mobile devices. 
including the almost three-year period from October 2014 until July 2017, uh, during which he communicated with Lori and Thompson and possibly other individuals relevant to the investigation. So these are for uh, really scattered um, time periods from 2014, uh, a little bit in 2018, and some in 2020. Um, and uh, excuse me, 2017 to 18. So there are some year gaps in this, but we do have uh, data all the way up to uh, nearing his death. Um, and also data that goes back uh, many, many years. So it goes on to say, um, we also acknowledge possible selection bias in this investigation. And they go on to say the relevant question is not whether he always engaged in inappropriate sexual behavior with massage therapists, but whether he ever did. And again, as I stated, that was the purpose um, of their investigation, not to see if there was clearly not abuse with every single massage therapist. There's clearly not abuse um, everywhere with everyone, but but more often um, than never happening, um, there were episodes as he went around his life that uh, these things happen from time to time. This next section goes on to talk about his involvement in spas. It says Christianity Today reported that Mr. Zacharias was involved with the Touch of Eden and Jivian, I hope I'm saying that right, Heaven, J-I-V-A-N, Wellness Spas, um, according to the corporate records on file with the Georgia Secretary of State. Touch of Eden was incorporated in 2004 and administratively dissolved in 2008. While Jivian, I'll call it Jivian, uh, Wellness was incorporated in 2008 and administratively dissolved in 2015. So based on uh, witness interviews, we believe the business, business actually closed around 2012. Uh, so anyways, both of these operate in the same location. So one was 2008, uh, from 2004 to 2008. The other one seemingly opened immediately after the dissolution of the first one, going from 2008 to most likely 2012. Um, so this was a, a massage therapy place right in around his uh, hometown. He lived uh, in Georgia, and this is in Alpharetta, Georgia. And so this, um, in this document, it kind of details that he was an explicit donor, but seems like um, he poured money into this as kind of like a secret or silent investor. Um, it says he had an interest in Eastern treatment and wanted to bring that influence to the spa, including uh, designing a treatment room specifically for Ayurvedic massage, which that's just a strange note because that's channeling chakras and, and lining up the chakras. I found really interesting because this has way more to do with Eastern mysticism than it has to do anything with Christianity. Um, so I'm not going to get on that that rabbit trail, but I just found that kind of strange. Um, also, so here's really the main section, interaction with massage therapist. Um, and this is going to detail some of the stories. Um, viewer discretion is advised. Um, this is not for young ears. Although we were able to interview only one of the massage therapists anonymously referenced uh, in the Christianity Today article, our investigation revealed other massage therapists who corroborate her account. Several massage therapists confirmed Mr. Zacharias's frequent efforts to try for more than a massage. As one therapist put it, eight therapists reported that Mr. Zacharias would state the massage uh, start the massage either completely nude or would remove the sheets during the massage. Um, a personal note, there's no need to really be naked for a massage. You can always keep your underwear on. Um, although it is common practice, some people strip down naked. But also you need to know with a, 
masseuses, they have a specific way of covering you with the towel so that at in any given time, you're always covered by a towel in some way. Um, so there's really never a need to be uncovered or anything like that. So these massage therapists reporting that he would be nude, um, I would never advise, especially as a prominent Christian theologian, philosopher, apologist, um, but also um, it, it's just not something that has to be done. And uh, secondly, uh, within normal uh, massage therapy practice, uh, there's not a, a time in which people are uncovered when they're naked. Uh, so this is strictly against policy. Anyways, I'll, I'll keep reading. Eight therapists reported Mr. Zacharias would start the massage either completely nude or would remove the sheets during the massage. Six therapists reported that he always or almost always had an erection during the massage. Four therapists reported that he would either touch his genitals or ask them to touch his genitals. And five therapists reported that he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. So, um, oh, I don't even want to get into that. I'm just going to keep reading. Um, yeah. Um, genital massage is not a normal part of masseuse therapy. Some therapists pushed back on his behavior with some success. One reported that she would de-drape, uh, excuse me, redrape him. If you remove the sheets, told him that when she was uncomfortable and told him he would have to leave if he didn't stop, go for you, girl. That's what all of these women should have done. Um, anyways, one therapist responded to his attempts to rub her legs by moving his arms back on the table and at times even binding his arms with sheets into a sling. So basically, this one woman would literally tie him up like some guy strapped in a, a straight jacket in an insane asylum because she wanted to tie him down. Another smart girl. I'm glad um, some of these women are using their brain to deal with uh, this guy. So one therapist responded as attempts to rub her legs by moving his arms back on the table, at times even binding his arms. It's kind of funny. With sheets into a sling, but also very sad. Uh, to keep them from wandering, she refused his frequent request to touch his genitals. Another therapist told him she did not feel comfortable and would uh, stop him when he would rub her leg up to the mid-thigh and grab her waist which was an obvious cue he wanted more. Another therapist also refused when he asked her to go lower and massage closer to his genitals. She admonished him on several occasions when he would start touching himself. Uh, he asked the same person to travel overseas to massage him on trips, but she was not comfortable with him and was afraid she would not be able to afford a plane ticket home if she felt the need to return early. She reported that she could see how more than a massage would have happened if a therapist did not feel comfortable speaking up and pushing back. So it seems what would happen in these scenarios is uh, Ravi Zacharias would clearly break boundaries. And then upon breaking boundaries, of course, the women would either respond sharply against that and shut it down, which would be wise and smart and bold and courageous and needed. Or other times, women uh, for various reasons, as they'll go on to explain, would not stop it, would not shut it down and instead um, would become victimized. So it goes on to say, um, some therapists reported even more serious and sustained sexual assaults that evolved over time. Two therapists obliged his request to masturbate him, telling one of them it was necessary because his pain was ligamental. Um, and, and there's a, a footnote on that that describes he did have severe pain going on, but doesn't... Uh, doesn't provide a need for a hand job. 
Anyways, uh, well, five women reported that he touched and grabbed their legs. Two said he eventually went beyond that with them rubbing their breasts and genitals. One therapist uh, further reported that she was struggling financially and Mr. Zacharias offered to help pay for her schooling and monthly living expenses in addition to compensating her for the massages. Um, she told us that the more we saw each other, the more he became comfortable and wanted to go further. Uh, she told us she felt obligated to do what he asked because of the financial support he provided. In addition to these direct accounts, these and other witnesses claim to know or to have heard of Mr. Zacharias's abuse or attempted abuse of other massage therapists, but we did not credit such hearsay. Um, goes on to say, um, uh, just want to briefly, this is another story that's uh, shared here. Um, this is where it gets really dark. Uh, it's really sad to me um, as someone who teaches the Bible. And um, it's just really sad. Um, he used his place of spiritual authority to prey on these women. And he used it to silence them and to cover them up. And, and it's it's atrocious. It's just so sad. And to me shows zero sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in any sense or form. Um, using the Holy Spirit as a means of sexual abuse. Um, and I don't mean the Holy Spirit, but rather the, the, the language of someone who is familiar with the Holy Spirit. Because clearly, um, that's highly debatable in his life. He goes on to say, um, he would use religious language during their encounters. The witness told us uh, that their relationship began as a normal massage therapist-client relationship. And she came to think of him as a father figure. He elicited information about her faith and her financial situation. She reported that after he arranged for the ministry to provide for her with financial support, he required sex from her. According to this witness, Mr. Zacharias used religious expressions to gain compliance as she was raised to be a person of faith. She reported that he made her pray with him to thank God for the quote-unquote opportunity they both received. She said he called her his quote-unquote reward for living a life of service to God, and he referenced the quote-unquote godly men in the Bible with more than one wife. She said he warned her not to ever speak out against him or she would be responsible for the quote-unquote millions of souls whose salvation would be lost is if his reputation was damaged. Tons of problems here. just want to speak to a few of them. First of all, we see the, the darkness of sin in his own heart and his blindness. Um, but first, we see he, he was beginning to justify this in his own heart and mind as seeing these other women as a God's spiritual gift of wives to him. But clearly, uh, he didn't think that because he wasn't like Joseph Smith uh, running around telling people God had told him this. He's still silencing them uh, with, with threats and, and telling them to keep quiet. And also heaping upon them like it's their responsibility to be his wife or they're the result of um, millions of, of damned souls to hell. It's just really dark. It's really dark. We also see the pride in his heart because he thinks that he has the power uh, to keep people from hell because he had built up such a reputation when ultimately the only person who can do that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who has the power to save anyone. Um, and he's the only one whose salvation anyone should be dependent upon. Um, so the Lord was really being replaced in his own mind with himself. It's really dark, really sad. 
It says a number of aspects of this account involve similar behavior and escalation as the accounts of other therapists who would not have known each other and who have treated Mr. Zacharias in different contexts over time. So this wasn't limited to a few women. This was uh, lots of women. As I said earlier, they interviewed, uh, I think, around 50 people. And this was uh, reported over the years, along with all the evidences on his phones. It goes on to say the therapist he reportedly targeted for more than a massage uh, discussed a similar modus operandi of building their trust and making them feel at ease. So in other words, all the stories seem to collaborate uh, and corroborate that he would do the same things to get them into a weird position and situation um, to build trust and, and make them feel comfortable before he would prey on them. As one put it, uh, he wasn't frisky. Initially, some therapists described the process. They began with probing conversation and him asking about their families and backgrounds, often delving into deeply personal issues such as financial struggles or emotionally broken backgrounds. This is common of a, a predator um, exploring these types of, of facts and informations um, for, for the sole purpose of preying on someone, as we see in his example. Uh, it says, for example, one therapist reported that Mr. Zacharias spent the first half of their massage session asking about her spiritual journey and prior abuse. Um, this set her at ease and made her feel that he cared for her as a person before he later asked her to massage his genitals. Another woman reported that he would talk about her career plans and efforts to improve her financial situation uh, while he was massaging her breast. Uh, she never came forward because she thought, who would believe me? Uh, against a famous Christian leader, some therapists also reported that Mr. Zacharias paid very well or would leave large tips and gave gifts that were at times lavish, such as a Persian rug or a Louis Vuitton wallet with $500 inside. So uh, what's sad as well is he's using ministry funds for all this stuff, which is just super sad and labing, labeling it as philanthropy. Um goes on to say in other parts, several of the therapists we interviewed reported a normal therapist-client relationship with him and said that he was always professional. So I just wanted to point that out. It doesn't seem that with every single woman he did this, but he was he was looking for opportunities. And at times, uh, he would uh, delve into a further sexual relationship with these massage therapists for particular women. Seems to be there were at least four particular women that he had regular um, communication with. This would seem to be the ones he may be viewed as spiritual brides, if you will, if we can even use that kind of crazy language. Um, but there were many others alongside the maybe main four. Mr. Zacharias, I think this is really key, this comment here. It says he spent much of the year on the road and typically had at least one male RZIM staff member travel with him, which would be good. Um, so it says these travel assistants provided the appearance of accountability. So Mr. Zacharias could say he did not travel alone and was never alone with a woman. Indeed, all of the travel assistants we interviewed said that they never observed anything improper. Most of them were aware, however, that Mr. Zacharias had a massage therapist who was often with him to provide treatments during his travels. And so as he would travel for, for the majority of his time, uh, he was always with a massage therapist and uh, they would do things behind closed doors uh, so that even his accountability partner, if you will, that traveled with him um, could not be aware, um, could comment on that, but but I'll uh, leave that. So here, lastly, um, 
this is just sad. I'm tired of reading this stuff. But but I'll give you a few more of these these facts based things. So for any of you who are doubtful of the truthfulness of this event and account, uh, will will soon be wrong. So if you don't want to be shown that truth, this is the time to turn this this video off. Um, goes on to say the massage therapist who at times traveled with him was not the only woman from whom he received massage during his travels. The travel assistants told us that Mr. Zacharias would often retire to his room at night, and his schedule often included large chunks of time and even entire days where he was alone. A search of his phone records and text messages revealed that he would often arrange for massage treatments in his hotel room when he was likely alone. According to his text messages, at times he would meet the therapist in the hotel lobby, and at other times he would direct them to come straight to his room. On one occasion in February 2016, he slipped his room key to a massage therapist by placing it in a book, directing her to come to his room two minutes after she got the book from him. Really sad. Um, In addition to finding alone time when he traveled with others, Mr. Zacharias traveled alone to Bangkok um, and other parts of Southeast Asia for substantial periods of time. Uh, RZIM staff described these as writing trips where he would work on his latest book on such trips. He would stay for days and sometimes weeks alone. Um, this is just probably not healthy practice. I wouldn't encourage that. According to a text message to a Thai, uh, Thai masseuse, T-H-A-I, uh, Thai Masseuse, in February 2016, he spent his days writing and his nights receiving massage treatments. All of the massage therapists we interviewed uh, now live in the United States, and we have little insight into whether Mr. Zacharias engaged in inappropriate massage behavior when he was in Asia. So he did spend a majority of time here, and like, like I said earlier, as they stated clearly in this investigative report, Their purpose was not to go down every path and avenue to find truth behind every rock, but rather just to um, find enough evidence to prove it to be false or true. Um, So so there's large things that we don't have accounting for here. Uh, It says, we also learned that for several years, Mr. Zacharias owned two apartments in Bangkok. This is also really shady in my opinion. This is where it gets really clear. It says the notes application also reveals that between 2010 and 2014, he spent a total of 256 days in one of these apartments and sought rent reimbursement from RZIM for those days. Um, So again, he's using ministry funds for this. Uh, They have a little section on the Lori Ann Thompson uh, account where uh, she did sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement. If you're unfamiliar with these, it's basically when uh, you take uh, a situation and someone gives another party a legal document in which they bind their um, they bind their legal right to speak the truth over a certain scenario or situation or event. Sometimes this is done uh, in very lawful and helpful ways. Um, I know my father has spoken of signing NDAs as he deals with uh, financial information of companies and people's salaries that are, are kind of sensitive information that you don't want getting out and you want bound legally, which is totally normal, acceptable, uh, wise. And then there's other times where NDAs are used by people to be abusive or domineering in which NDAs are, are uh, signed by people to cover up uh, sin or to cover up crimes or to cover up 
sexual things that happen to cover up all kinds of things. And usually people are, are given an NDA and they come to an agreement and people are given large sums of money to keep quiet. Um, so this happens with various scenarios. Uh, for example, I think there was a situation with uh, Donald Trump and a blonde haired woman that was really famous for he made her sign an NDA and she got a bunch of money. So let you figure out what really happened there. Um, it says, as mentioned above, the scope of our investigation included allegations involving Mr. Zacharias and a Canadian woman named Lori Ann Thompson. Ms. Thompson accused him of engaging in sexually explicit online conversations with her and also soliciting and ultimately receiving many indecent photos of her. She claimed that he groomed her as he gained her trust as a spiritual guide, confidant, and notable Christian statesman, after which she opened up her life to him to the point where he exercised a controlling influence over her as one with spiritual authority. He used this influence, she claimed, uh, to exploit her vulnerability to satisfy his own sexual desires. While they were never physically intimate, Ms. Thompson alleged that they had engaged in an emotional relationship through electronic communication and that the culmination in him asking for photographs of her, including nudes, uh, which she sent in order to avoid protracted and public litigation. On April 27, 2017, the Thompsons sent Mr. Zacharias a letter demanding $5 million in exchange for a release of claims against him and the ministry. In response, Mr. Zacharias sued the Thompsons in federal court for extortion under the Federal Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organization, short for uh, by saying RICO, Statute on July 31st, 2017, the Thompsons and Mr. Zacharias mediated and confidentially resolved their disputes in late fall 2017. The resolution reportedly included a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA. RZIM management informed us that they do not have and have not seen the NDA. So this NDA was done outside of their knowledge. It says, and therefore RZIM, which was not a party to that lawsuit, I was not able to provide it to us. We are therefore not in a position to evaluate the scope of the NDA or the possibility that either side may have previously violated it. So this was an NDA done by legal protection from Rabbi Zacharias personally and uh, was not something done through the ministry, probably an attempt to hide this and keep it a secret and uh, then dealt with them um, personally through this uh, legal case. It goes on to say, nevertheless, the Thompson matter was relevant to our investigation for at least three reasons. Number one, although we were unable to investigate Ms. Thompson's allegations because of the NDA, other witnesses interviewed for this investigation recounted similar conduct by Mr. Zacharias that is consistent with some of the Ms. Thompson's allegations. The second reason, because Mr. Zacharias was able to convince members of the RZIM board and management that he was the victim of extortionist, RZIM did not investigate the allegations. A full investigation might have uncovered evidence of misconduct at a time when Mr. Zacharias was alive to explain himself. And thirdly, their reason was Mr. Zacharias's response to the Thompson allegations, including explanations of his emails um, with Ms. Thompson that surfaced on the internet, raised questions about his credibility. Um, Last, uh, some of the incriminating data concerning communications and images of other women. I think the dates are helpful for us as Christians as we try to process this um, in our hearts to grieve this uh, sad story, but also to theologically understand what was going on in his heart and, and try to understand our world rightly. 
It says that uh, witnesses told us that Mr. Zacharias had multiple phones and email addresses over time, and he had at least two phones at any given time. He insisted on remaining separate from the official RZIM communication platforms, and his phones, this is really important, guys, um, and his phones were on a separate plan rather than the RZIM plan. He also used private email addresses, so none of this is wrong. It's not wrong to have an extra phone. It's not wrong to have a separate email address. Anyways, um, use private email addresses rather than an RZIM account. And so this is where it gets really shady. It says, while at RZIM headquarters, he used the public wireless access rather than RZIM's virtual private network. He claimed this was for security reasons, but the end result was that no one at RZIM would have had administrative access to his devices or email communications. So in other words, to break this down, explain this if you didn't understand that, the Wi-Fi or internet that he would connect to through his devices, um, he made sure to connect to public access network because if he used um, his company's electronics and used his company's um, electronic Wi-Fi, um, I don't know if that's the right way to say electronic Wi-Fi, but if he used his, uh, his company's Wi-Fi and his company's devices, they would have a certain right to look through his information, look through his data, uh, whereas by keeping his own separate personal phone and separate devices and using public um, internet, they have no right to look into any of this stuff. So he clearly has something to hide uh, based on his use of um, network and electronics. Says he also used encrypted communications platforms, including BlackBerry Messenger and WhatsApp, from which messages are not retrievable once deleted. Um, another thing it says, for example, in the notes application of one of his phones, Mr. Zacharias kept translations of certain words and phrases in Thai and Mandarin. So that's not necessarily bad. He's got some translated things to keep in notes for handy. But once we see what these things are, it's uh, it's really incriminating. The, the Thai phrases included, I miss you so much. I want to see your face and a little bit further. And the Mandarin phrases included softer, lighter included you are beautiful, included not enough, included I hope our love lasts forever, also I love you from the bottom of my heart, also I'd like to have a beautiful memory with you, also life is so wonderful because I could meet you, also your lips are especially beautiful, and I love you darling. Um, this is um, um, not, This is just not something he needed to know how to say in another language, folks. Th this is clearly... Uh, clear, clear evidence. Um, I, I try my best on my best day to speak to my wife this way and often fall short. So th this is clearly sweet talk. It's clearly an erotic nature. Um, there's not anyone he should be talking to like this. And why does he need to know it in another language? Also in uh, September 2014, he exchanged emails and photographs with a woman who lived in Seoul, Korea. He bought her a necklace and wished that he could put it around her neck personally, saying the necklace comes from my heart to be around your heart. I wonder what his wife thinks of this. Uh, he asked her to take a photograph of herself with the necklace on. He also wrote, may I say to you, you are beautiful, just so beautiful. I cannot help but miss you even more after seeing your picture. It brings a tear of longing in my eyes longing to see you again, meeting her on the flight. He said it has changed my life. He later sent her a picture of himself. Um, goes on to say, um, uh, from a woman in Thailand in May 2014, um, he told her, I know more than ever that you have become the love of my life. 
I'm waiting to hold you close to my heart again. Please be safe, my angel. I love you and good night from here. He told her to keep him as the only one in your heart. I love you, my dearest. And then it's got something um, blanked out. Probably her name, XXXXXX. So um, hopefully that's her name blanked out. Their communications imply their relationship about a physical component. They discuss not being able to wait until they can be together that he is, quote-unquote, longing to hold her close again. He further wrote, your face, your smile, your laugh, your touch. Clearly an indication of physical contact, the way you love, your hard work, your heart, your care for me, your skill, and on and on and on. Uh, he called her beautiful in heart and body. She responded later, I love and kiss you everywhere. Um, XXXX, she... Um, Says so she told him she was going to work out to be fit and firm when I see you next month. Smiley face. Uh, this woman received significant financial support from uh, TOH. So clearly uh, um, illicit relationship. Clearly he's funding her financially. Clearly they have um, um, a relationship. This may have been one of the, the women he saw as an additional wife from God uh, in his mind, how he would justify it. Um, all of these communications were maintained on a phone Mr. Zacharias used before he met Lori Ann Thompson. The phones he used after the Thompson matter contained images, but few amorous communications. So it seems like after the Lori Ann Thompson case, he got smarter. He began to find other ways to hide and encrypt data so that although they have been able to look through his phones, they can't find as many uh, messages and content because he, guys, he just got smarter at hiding it, but he did still have more pictures and videos uh, of sexual nature. I just want to cover a few of these and then um, we will we'll shut this down. I'm quite frankly, sad and tired of reading it. Um, anyways, if you are as well, you can skip ahead to the end and I'll give you a few closing thoughts. I should have mentioned that earlier if you don't want to hear all this stuff. Um, this is just for people who may be listening on podcasts that... Uh, or are just listening as they're driving, trying to get the lowdown on the situation, or, or uh, would like to see the whole thing in detail. Mr. Zacharias's phone contained over 200 photographs, guys. This is not insignificant. Contained over 200 photographs of women much younger than him, including six of Lori Ann Thompson, and dozens of photographs he took of himself. Uh, for some of these women, he had only one or two pictures. However, some women appeared in numerous photographs over time. Among the more significant collections of photographs are 17 images of the young Thai woman who appears to be in her mid-20s, described in the previous section that were taken between February 2nd, 2014 and November 1st, 2019. So this spanned an extensive length of time all the way up to November 2014. So this is many, many years of relationship. 43 images of a young Indian woman who appears to be in her early 20s taken between November 9th, 2017 and November 8th, 2018. 42 images of a blonde woman who appears to be in her mid-30s and appears to work at a spa or salon taken between February 8th, 2018 and February 12th, 2020. So this is right up to uh, really the time of his death, just a few months shy. It says, uh, this is so sad. And 52 images and four videos of a young Malaysian woman who appears to be in her early 20s taken between August 20th, 2017 and June 2nd, 2019. So uh, it says he received photographs from three different women over just two days in July 2018. It's worth noting again that there are substantial periods of time for which we had 
no phones to review, including the almost three-year gap between October 2014 and July 2017. So they have some evidence pre-2014 and they have some evidence post-2017 and all of the evidence uh, shows of sexual indiscretion going on. Uh, the latest based on that paragraph I just read uh, of when it happened in his life uh, details the young Indian woman who appears to be in her early 20s uh, taken between November 9th, 2017. Excuse me, uh, reading the long, wrong line. Um, the latest in his life, according to this, is the 42 images. I'm getting all these women mixed up of a blonde woman who appears to be in her mid 30s and appears to work at a spa or salon taken between February 8th, 2018 and February 12th, 2020. So this all the way up to February 12th, 2020 is when he was receiving pictures from this particular woman, uh, which is right up to the time of his death. Um, it says that in the majority of these photographs, the women are fully clothed and posing as anyone would for a selfie. Personally, my wife would not care. She would extremely be furious over uh, nudes being sent to my phone, but I can guarantee you she would not be content with women sending themselves selfies to me. Uh, but anyways, just to give you some perspective, but not all these pictures were just plain selfies. And I want to read this other comment. It says we found six photographs of a clothed Miss Thompson, who, who this NDA was written for, uh, taken between February 14, 2016 and February 26, 2016 on a BlackBerry device. Mr. Zacharias used between July 2017 and January 2018. So even years after uh, this court case, he still kept pictures of this woman on his phone. Kind of strange. In some, though, different women are, quote unquote, kissing for the camera, otherwise suggestively posed. Uh, one set contained nude images of a young Malaysian salon employee. The earliest picture of her is dated August 20, 2017, as we covered earlier, and shows her standing in the lobby of a salon with Mr. Zacharias and another man. Uh, travel records confirmed that Mr. Zacharias was in Malaysia at the time. Over time, more pictures of this woman appeared in Mr. Zacharias's phone, most of which were relatively innocuous and show her fully clothed. However, the photographs grew increasingly more suggestive, culminating... And two photographs showing her bare breasts dated October 27, 2018, and a video of her fully naked and touching herself dated January 8, 2019. So these are things that are saved on his phone. This isn't something that women just sent him and uh, they uncovered. These are things that, you know, were saved or were contained on his phones that they were able to find. Uh, looking through the files. It says two other women told us Mr. Zacharias asked for nude photos, which they uh, refused to provide. Um, so this seems to be um, just sad. As far as Mr. Zacharias's response to statements, this it says, while we do not know how Mr. Zacharias would respond to the newer allegations of sexual misconduct, we did consider his statement and actions when confronted with similar situations in the past, most notably the Thompson matter, Several RZIM staff reported to us his shifting narrative as emails and other relevant facts were publicly leaked and he was forced to explain them. Rather than fostering an environment of truth-seeking and transparency, Mr. Zacharias was strident and inflammatory. He described his critics as nasty people lunatics who were engaging in a satanic-type slander and falsehood. <coughs> um, lastly, um, 
It says, uh, Miss Thompson was the only woman from whom he received. It says, nor uh, Miss Thompson was the only, so she wasn't the only one from whom he received photographs. Just going on to deal with that. Um, the Malaysian woman it says, after the RICO lawsuit, after the Miss Thompson case, the Malaysian woman sent him over 50 photographs. So this was an ongoing behavior. Um, it says 50 photographs over the next year, including nudes. Uh, so this was ongoing behavior that continued uh, really all the way up. And we see in his declaration, to quote Ravi Zacharias, in my 45 years of marriage to Margie, I've never engaged in any appropriate behavior of any kind. Really? That's a pretty bold claim and uh, clearly did not live up to, to that. Um, it says his claim that he had long made it his practice a practice not to be alone with a woman other than Margie and our daughters was similarly false. Clearly, he was regularly alone with women because he always had uh, masseuses with him. As reported above, Mr. Zacharias's inappropriate conduct often occurred when he was alone with massage therapists because his need for massage treatments was well known and accepted. He was able to hide his misconduct in plain sight. His further, uh, he further stated that after reflection, he learned that the physical safeguards he had long practiced to protect my integrity should have extended to include digital communication safeguards as the architect of those physical safeguards. Mr. Zacharias well knew how to elude them. And praise God, that is the conclusion of that sad, sad uh, document there. Uh, for me, personally, um, there's just so much clear evidence. Um, if you went through my phone, you wouldn't find other women um, having sent me nudes and me saving them on my phone or anything like that. Not to say I'm perfect, but uh, what I want you to see here is this pattern of unrepentance in his life. Uh, no one is above any kind of sin. Uh, no man is above any kind of sexual sin. The only pure, good, and righteous and holy man was Jesus Christ. And anyone who claims otherwise is walking a dangerous path. I just want to read to you First John chapter 3. Um, it says, and I quote, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Indeed, sin is lawlessness, and you know that Jesus was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Everyone who resides in him or remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been fathered by God does not practice sin because God's seed resides in him. And thus, he is not able to sin because he has been fathered by God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Everyone who does not practice righteousness um, goes on to say, the one who does not love his fellow Christian as an exclaimer or uh, a disclaimer or explanation of the one who does not practice righteousness. And clearly there was not love of neighbor is not of God. Um, that, that's all I'll say about that. If you like more content concerning qualifications for uh, men of God and ministry and leadership, I'd strongly encourage you to check out my pastoral epistle series um, there's some good videos in there as I went through every single chapter in first Timothy, second Timothy and Titus as God lists his qualifications for pastors. 
that I believe every Christian in some form of vocational ministry should be held to for every single man that claims to be a teacher of God's word in some way, shape, or form should be held to. Um, So that's a good resource. Um, Again, I would just say, as I stated earlier in the video in a kind of a jumbled way, um, our Christian culture in the 21st century American church of exalting leaders beyond accountability, beyond uh, the scripture's qualifications, beyond uh, the ability for them to fall into sin. All of these things are ungodly. They're unwise. They, they leave men and women of God open to uh, walk in sin and to do it uh, in secret. And uh, I think that's another example of what we see here. Clearly, the ministry is trying to salvage what might remain after all of this um, finishes off. And what they're trying to do is revamp the culture of their ministries at RZIM so that um, these kinds of uh, things are not able to take place within culture and accountability is at more of the forefront uh, for their leaders. As every church and every ministry should be doing and concerned with because God's concern for his ministers is, is not that they're eloquent of speech. It's that they're faithful to the gospel it's not that they wear fancy clothes, but rather they have fancy character and godly character. Um, it's not that uh, we could go on and on again. I said this could be a two-hour Bible study. There's lots of relevant verses. Uh, I don't want to get into anything besides what I read in First John. Uh, also, there's some things to be considered as I think we're seeing Ravi Zacharias's work burnt up before our very eyes. So that Corinthians passage becomes very relevant. Um, I don't want to speak to anything beyond that. Um, only God is going to be the judge of Ravi Zacharias. Um, if, if he is in hell, uh, I'll not be surprised because of um, the continual nature of his sin that lasted for seemingly possibly decades, but at least close to a decade. Um, so that lack of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit causes me great concern. This is not coming from a place of hate. I, I really... I uh, have enjoyed his ministry for many years and and I'm devastated by this. Um, but uh, would not surprise me if that's the case. And on the flip side, it won't surprise me if he's in heaven because I know God's grace and mercy. So I'm not making a statement on where, where Ravi's going to spend eternity. I don't know. God knows. God knows his heart. Uh, clearly, we see some evidence that is really dark. Maybe he had a deathbed repentance. What I do know is that his work is being burnt up before our very eyes. What I don't know is where he'll spend eternity, but this should be a warning for all of us that um, we don't need to idolize anyone. We don't need to worship anyone other than Jesus, and anyone can fall into sin. If we don't put the proper parameters in our lives, uh, we ourselves will fall prey to these things. Last thing I want to say is Ravi Zacharias, um, he didn't have a power problem. He didn't have a money problem. It's He could have stepped down with enough money and power he, he had the power to rearrange his ministry of traveling too much was his problem. He had nothing but power to reestablish himself in some other light. I'm sure he could have stayed home as a seminary professor or something of the sort. He also didn't have a lack of money. Um, clearly, I'm sure with all the books he wrote and things, he, he could have easily set himself up in a different way to repent and get away from that. But none of these things happened because he didn't have a money problem. Um, he had a pride problem. Um, he didn't have a power problem. He had a sin problem. 
And so his life continued down that way without repentance. And so for me, that's a very scary thing. Um, and uh, just is sad. It's sad to see. But I just want to encourage you. The reason I created this video is not only to inform you of the clear truths that we found out concerning this uh, event, but also to point you back to God's word. There were lots of things that have been neglected. Accountability, character qualifications, uh, the, the proper shepherding of family, uh, eloquence of speech is not in God's uh, character qualification list in the pastoral epistles. Um, there's other things. And so uh, many things that we value as people, God does not. And he values other things that many times um, we don't value like we should. So this video is sent to encourage you to do that. Value what God values. And that's character and um, adherence to the scriptures. That, that's God's qualification for his leaders. Um, and so anyone, as Paul would say, you know, he did, that he didn't come in eloquence of speech, but rather with, uh, he didn't want to rob the, the power of God's clear gospel. Um, so he came just as a normal man with the power of God. So that, that's my encouragement to you um, Christians out there, uh, the kind of heart we should have attitude, not to be looking to be accepted by the world or to make our home here in the world, but rather to be acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. Like I said, if you'd like more content concerning leadership um, and, uh, and elders, pastors, um, the pastoral epistles is a good content section for delving into some of that. Uh, God's word gives us lots of parameters to go about for pastors to avoid these kinds of pitfalls, but sadly, they're never followed. And so because we uh, walk in disobedience to God's word, we, we end up suffering consequences uh, from these kinds of things. So anyways, I uh, hope God blesses you and uh, sad to be publishing this video, but uh, this is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so God bless you and um, hope to see you in, in another video. Um, please comment if you got any comments. Uh, if you'd like to read the article again, it's down in the section below.